Really quick before I continue with the show, I wanted to, to acknowledge the passing of WPKN's Mickey Barnes, who hosted Mickey's Room here on WPKN, who um, sadly just passed away recently. Um, and so we're all thinking about you, Mickey, and you will be missed. Tonight, I am honored to be joined by Stanley Heller of Middle East Crisis Committee and Promoting Enduring Peace. Stan is an activist and organizer based here in Connecticut and has been involved in Palestine solidarity work for a number of years and has also been on this program many, many times, in which I'm, I am thankful for. And so, uh, Stan, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Good evening. Good evening. It's uh, it's great to have you back. And I know, you know, like always, we've got a lot to talk about. But I wanted to start off by, you know, just with a little introduction. So, um, you know, start. I think December of last year was the first time that we ever talked about Sturm Ruger, you and I, on, on mm -hmm. this show. And mm -hmm. so Sturm Ruger is a gun company based in... Southport, Connecticut, about 15 minutes away from this radio station. And they've been selling guns to Israel for a number of years. This is something that I didn't know until, until I found out from you. So Stan, I was wondering if you could start off by talking a little bit about how you first got involved in trying to expose this Ruger-Israel connection. Well, we had uh, the Palestinians for 15 years or so, have been calling for BDS, for boycotts and other actions against Israel to pressure them to respect their human rights. And, uh, you know, what kind of companies to boycott? Now, it had been suggested that there's rumor they make guns, they sell them to Israel. And, you know, a long time we didn't, yeah, yeah we knew it, but we didn't do much about it. Then in December of 2017, a man named Ibrahim Al-Turaya was shot dead in Gaza. And what was um, very disturbing, I mean, it was obviously the killing was disturbing, but the, the guy had no legs. He was sitting in a wheelchair, and he was killed by some sniper. And sort of clicked with some of us, and we said, you know, let's investigate this further. It took us a while, but we finally, uh, you know, we wrote to Ruger about it. You know, did you... Uh, you know, was it uh, one of your guns that shot this fellow? Never got an answer. And then uh, in March of 2018, the uh, Great March of Return took place in Gaza, where people in the tens of thousands walked, marched to the, the borders of Gaza, which are all ringed in with fences and walls and everything trying to go back to their homes. That's what they meant by return. And they shot down a lot of people. And so we started uh, a serious kind of campaign, mostly investigations at first, uh, into Ruger. And uh, boy, our eyes were opened about that company. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we used a lot of uh, Israeli sources, the, the paper of record that's called Haaretz. There's a human rights organization called B'Tselem and, uh, and other things, uh, other news media, uh, to find out about Ruger. And you can get a certain amount of information. Um, 
and we figure uh, from that kind of information about 250 Palestinians killed and maimed by Rugers in in recent years, uh, including 32 uh, killed. And uh, I could give you a couple names. Um, Imad Dwakat, 37 years old, about 11 days ago. He had four daughters, an infant son. He was killed near a town called Beta in the West Bank. He was in a protest march. Uh, another fellow was named Mohammed Munir Tamimi, shot in the back July 24th of this year. The name Tamimi might uh, mean something to people. He was a cousin to Ahed Tamimi, who as a teenager had slapped an Israeli soldier. He was a slight young teenager and uh, uh, this huge guy, fully armed and um, uh, armored, you know, she, she slapped his face and, and ended up in prison for it. And then uh, another... Um, Haaretz, the paper talked about May of this year when there was all that violence and well, the huge bombing of Gaza in Beta on the West Bank. Four were killed with Rugers. Um, so that's that's what's what's gone on. We have, we have a whole website about this. No Rugers to Israel dot org. With that two instead of being a T O, it's a number two. No Rugers to Israel.org. We got enormous amounts of information, things we, letters we've tried to, that we've sent to the company, to the Fairfield uh, the town government, and uh, and so on. Thank you for going through all that, Stan. And uh, you know, like you said earlier, it really you know your eyes were really opened, and the Middle East Crisis Committee's eyes collectively were opened to to this several years ago and i know my eyes were really opened to this uh, thanks to you and i believe the first victim that i had heard about was ali abu alia who was killed by israeli snipers on his 15th birthday in a village north of ramallah so Mm -hmm. like you said you know there have been many victims up to this point um even very recently even in the past uh, even, yeah. And if I could say, we think the number of victims is probably in the thousands. You know, we, we can't really track it down that well. But um, in the suppression of the marches in Gaza in 2018, 2019, 8,000 people were shot. 8,000 people. Now, in the beginning, they were using, you know, sniper rifles like you'd use at Stalingrad. I mean, you know, real military-grade stuff. There are a lot of complaints. You know, look at all these people you're killing just in the first, you know, first few days or weeks. So they went to Ruger's, which uh, sometimes they call them the plinker. It's, uh, it shoots a twenty-two bullet, which doesn't sound like a big deal. And... Um, Usually, it hurts people, injures them, doesn't kill them. Um, But but we did find out in in an article in the Israeli paper Haaretz that they they were using Rugers, and at at some point, the soldiers, the sniper, uh, the snipers were having a friendly competition who could shoot the the most people. There was an article in the Haaretz: forty-two knees in one day. 
and it mentioned that Rugers were used. So how many uh, were shot in uh, uh, in Gaza by the Rugers? Probably in the thousands. And, and you know, you hear the word injured. Well, you know, injured, you hurt yourself, you get better. But a lot of these uh, injuries were, were awful. And, um, you know, there's so many people in Gaza that had to have amputations. They don't have, you know, state-of-the-art hospitals there. So, uh, you know, they do the best they can. Sometimes it gets infected. They lose, uh, they lose uh, half a leg or whatever. They even have races in Gaza only confined to amputees. It's, I've seen a picture of it. It's extraordinary. So that's, uh, that's what Ruger is participating in. And all attempts we've made to reach the company, you know, they don't want to hear about it. We, the most we ever, we actually had a little picket there a couple of years ago. I think it was in 18. And uh, we spoke to a vice president for maybe five minutes. And he said, we obey U.S. law. You know, great. Well, on that note, the government of Mexico is currently <laughs> suing several U.S. gun companies for fueling violence. And Sturm Ruger is one of them, named in the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about this, Stan? Yeah, I don't know about too much about that, but yeah, about five or six gun companies. I mean, Ruger is the best-selling U.S. gun. They make you know a wide variety of things, and so they're part of this flood of guns that go into Mexico. The number of people getting killed, you know, it's around sixteen thousand a year by. Uh, uh, you know, and these, uh, you know, these groups of criminals, I don't, can't think of the word, but, um, you know, these criminal conspiracies, uh, gangs, I guess you could call them, a huge number of people. And so the government, which is, you know, even they got this new supposedly leftist government hasn't been able to do uh, much as to or stop the number of all these killings. And so they're trying this. Um, there has been. I mean, there was a suit of Remington against Remington, basically uh, made Remington, Remington go bankrupt. So, so Mexico's trying this. So that that's that's a very interesting tactic. I mean, I really appreciate that you're talking about this because we've, you know, back in '18 we had this, some decent publicity about it. I had a piece in the Register, but I've been trying in the Connecticut media this year without success. I mean, the Hartford Current, the Connecticut Post, WSHU, uh, some liberal uh, websites, you know, nothing. And uh, I don't quite understand it, but uh, if anybody knows any of those media people or, you know, TV shows, be happy to uh, bring this up uh, to get more publicity about this this terrible situation. And it, and it's absolutely a gun violence issue. No doubt about it. It's a Oh yeah. It's a and it's it being carried out in our name as mm-hmm. Americans. So um also on the subject of Palestine, you and the Middle East Crisis Committee were recently involved in actually starting a petition demanding Israel return the body of Shadi Shurafi to his family. Um, could you talk? I'd love to talk about that, but, but could I yeah. talk one more thing about Ruger. 
we've been trying the town of Ruger's government. <laughs> Ruger. That's a Freudian slip. The town of Fairfield has a board of selectmen. We've been writing to them about this issue, and they are not at all interested, not sympathetic. And, um, you know, we, we think, you know, you make tax money from Ruger. Uh, you take their money, uh, somebody might ungenerously call it blood money. Well, why don't you meet with Ruger? Ask them to account for what they send to Israel or Mexico or, you know, any of the other things. I try to get this information from the State Department. Um, ask what Ruger does to monitor that its weapons not be used recklessly. I mean, you know, that's incredible. Doesn't Ruger have a division that sort of keeps an eye on this stuff, makes sure that they didn't use this stuff in massacres? We don't know. I mean, Fairfield government should do that. And some of us are uh, mischievously thinking of designing a new logo for the town, Fairfield, home of Ruger, the killing company. All right. So uh, last said about Ruger for, for now. But uh, you were uh, asking me about uh, Shadi Sharafi. Uh, man, the awful situation. The uh, Israelis... Uh, Let's see, this was the end of July, said we, uh, a Palestinian man came at uh, Israeli soldiers with a long metal bar, and they did this, they did that, they had no alternative but to kill him. They shot him. And, but then it came out that Shadi Sharafi was a plumber, and uh, he took care of... Uh, the plumbing for the town of Beta, and it's the same town I've mentioned before uh, today. And uh, he, you know, you can imagine the pipes in the West Bank are not the best, so he's called out all times of day and night to take care of them. So he was found uh, with uh, his wrench, not a big long iron pipe, but his wrench on the ground. Uh, Next to the pipes of uh, Beta, uh, you know, where they turn them on and off and the valves and, and all that stuff. And he was killed. I mean, that's an outrage in itself. But then it goes on. The Israelis confiscated his body. Now, this is the policy. They have a policy that any Palestinian allegedly, who allegedly attacks an Israeli, if he's killed, they take the body. And they hold it uh, until whenever, whenever, you know, at their pleasure. Maybe they demand, all right, you Palestinians, you can bury the body at two in the morning, no more than 10 people, we don't want to see any patriotic displays. Or maybe they demand a, a collaborator from the family, or, you know, or whatever. I mean, they've been doing this, and the number of bodies they're holding varies. Uh, uh, you know, you read different accounts. Some say 60, some say hundreds. At any rate, they took his body. And uh, so our committee decided to see if we could do a petition on this. Now, we learned about it from an article in Haaretz, uh, Gideon Levy, who's this excellent uh, uh, Israeli Jewish reporter uh, really gave us the details about all this. So we, you know, went up on a, with an online petition on, on change.org. 
And within a couple of days, we had 100 signers. And, um, and then we found out yesterday that they returned the body. Now, we're not saying it was because of the petition. Uh, obviously, his article was <laughs> 50 times more important, but we think it had played a role. Uh, Change notified us that it had 2,400 views. And, um, you know, we put it out all kinds of listservs and and Facebook pages and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, the Israelis uh, do monitor our stuff, the uh, the government, I mean. And uh, so it helped. You know, maybe they realized this is going to be a complete public relations disaster. I mean, we even went to labor unions and, and said, hey, you know, this is a working man doing his job, had a wrench in his hand, and they shot him dead, and they took his body. So we were starting working on that. Um, at any rate, um, we're happy that his body was returned to his family. He can get a decent burial. But uh, this whole issue of this confiscation of bodies is kind of grotesque, and uh, it should be exposed, it should be stopped. Well, thank you for your work on that petition and um, and for shining a light on this, Stan. And you also helped organize in your work with Revive the Peace Movement, or RPM, a mm-hmm. virtual panel that took place uh, yesterday, connecting mm-hmm. the Syrian and Palestinian struggles. And I tuned into the panel, and it was uh, it was a really, really, really powerful group discussion um, that took place. Um, can you talk a little bit about it, Stan? Sure. It was called From Syria to Palestine, The People's Resistance. And uh, as you say, it was organized by RPM, which stands for a Revive the Peace Movement, mainly came out of their efforts of promoting Enduring Peace, which is a group I work for. Um, so we had this international forum, and it was so cool in that, uh, I mean, we had Mariam Barghouti from Ramallah, Palestine. We had Joseph, Joseph Dahar from Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, Nidal Batare from Washington, D.C. And uh, Yazan Al-Saadi who was the moderator from Beirut, Lebanon. And with the the last speaker, we were kind of on pins and needles because people know Beirut, Lebanon's in an economic catastrophe, and the electricity goes on and off. But as it turned out, uh, he talked from his phone <laughs> and uh, had enough juice to uh, to do the 90 minutes of it. And people can see it if they go to rpm.world. They can do a couple clicks and get to the video. It's up on YouTube and, and see the whole thing. Uh, so what it was about, uh, we were trying to unite uh, Palestinians and Syrians and their allies in, in working together. And, it's, you know, the Syrian fighting, the violence against Syrians has gone on for so long, over 10 years. I mean, unbelievable. And most of the left has failed on this thing. I mean, they've, they somehow unbelievably consider uh, uh, Assad as an anti-imperialist because he throws around a little rhetoric. And uh, they're they're mostly neutral, and some are even supportive of Assad. Well, the government of the United States doesn't like Assad, must be a good guy, you know, this kind of thing. 
and just ignoring the, the hundreds of thousands of people killed in Syria by his forces and the millions. I think it's six million people have run out of the country. Imagine just taking a few things and, and leaving. It must be really bad. But So we talked about that. We talked about, uh, or, or the speakers, I should say, talked about these things. It was a lot of en- a lot of enlightening things I, I didn't know about. And like one was the long record of solidarity of Palestinians and Syrians, going back almost a hundred years. There was uh, activities by Syrians against the French in the twenties, and Palestinians uh, helped in that. And during the thirties, when the Palestinians were involved in general strikes and, and violence against the British. There was uh, Syrians helping out with that, and uh, you know, would stop for a few years and would start up again. And there was all kinds of things that was that was very very good. One speaker now, um, Nidal Batari is Palestinian, but his family was refugees, and they lived in a place in Damascus called Yarmouk, and. Uh, it had a million people in Yarmouk. It had originally been a Palestinian refugee camp. But by 2013, there's a million people there, 150,000 Palestinians and all the rest Syrians. And he talked about how integrated they were. You know, nobody made the big fuss about, are you a citizen? Do you, you know, are you a refugee? They, um, they were together. In fact, um, he talks about one of his relatives was in the Syrian Air Force. So, you know, they were together. And then uh, they eventually, during the uprising against the dictator Assad, a lot of the Palestinians got involved. Yarmouk was wiped out. I mean, it is an utter ruin now. Um, and uh, Mariam Barghouti, who lives in the West Bank, who's really done some good stuff on democracy now. She's had an op-ed in the Washington Post about the repression from the so-called Palestinian government. They call it the Palestine Authority. They have this guy, Abbas, who was once elected, though his term ended 12 years ago. They've never had another election. And the PA, the Palestine Authority, was involved in the assassination. They, They killed this guy, Nizar Banant. Um, just uh, in June, he was a critic of the government. They arrested him, and two hours later, they find his body dead. Anyway, so uh, it was quite a good thing. People should uh, check it out. It's on um, rpm.world. Thank you for that, Stan. And we have just a few minutes left, but I really wanted to give you a chance to talk about the new article that you're, you're working on titled mm-hmm. we speak for a quarter of us jews can you um <laughs> can you share a bit about this piece stan yeah i got the most important part the the headline done and you quoted it and who who's the we I, i'm saying the we is the anti-zionist jews and that that is shocking even to me they had polls and they were done by jews involved in the democratic party so uh the results were published, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and there was a lot of articles about it in Haaretz and other uh, media. Uh, they may not 
call themselves anti-Zionists, but a quarter of the U.S. Jews agree with the fundamental analysis people are making about Zionism, this political idea, and about the way Israel is going. For instance, literally 25% answered these polls and said Israel was an apartheid state. Uh, another 22% said, agreed with the, uh, the statement, Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians. And then on a, another question, they said 39% agreed that Israel's treatment of Palestinians is similar to racism in the U.S. And the last number, 38%, said they had no emotional attachment to Israel. So that's almost 40% of American Jews. And it was much larger among the young Jews. And this was staggering to me, and a lot of other people have been following this for a long time. Because if you look at Israeli Jews, particularly among the young Jews, they're going to the right. And they support Netanyahu, and now they have this new guy in Bennett, and uh, you know all the things that are going on. Um, I, I just learned that in Egypt, there's a, a, a big um, movement to support Nazis, and they're identifying with Sisi, the dictator there. And the, the Israeli government's all buddy-buddy with Sisi. Don't say a word about this stuff. Haaretz broke the story about, about a week ago. So they're going to the right, but the people, uh, Jews in this country, coming to the left. So uh, it should be an interesting article. I hope I can find somebody to publish it. Well, I'm sure you will. And thank you for, for sharing about it. And, and thanks for being on, on back on Mic Check tonight, Stan. It's always an honor to have you on. And I just wanted to say, you know, I was thinking about it, and I feel like one thing that I've always noticed about you is, is that you have this really, really great way of bringing people together around a cause and around, around an issue. And um, I feel like that's something that you, you just do really well. And uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you for 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 doing that and for um, always being eager to share information and and uh, shine a light on important things that are happening. Like as Amy Goodman would say, uh, go, go to where the silence is and say something. So mm. I think you, you we do, didn't even do discuss ice cream. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't even. Yes. Discuss. And Ben and Jerry's. I had my first Ben and Jerry's in years because they they're out of the West Bank and they're probably going to get out of Israel completely. So that's an interesting, cool development. Cool, haha, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> but so that, you know, petitions work, pressure works, um, the BDS movement works, and just one person can make a difference. And we all, you know, um, there's, you know, there's been uh, DJs on on PKN that have. I mean, I know I know uh, Bruce Swan who um, who sadly did his his last show recently. He's moved out to North Carolina, um, but uh, he he always used to say, "Help!" Do you, I think I think he used to say, uh, "Do something nice for someone else, just because." I think it was more or less. I might be getting the wording wrong, but but it's you know, it's always the right time to stand up for, for justice and equality. And, um, yeah. So Stanley Heller of promoting enduring peace, Middle East crisis committee. Thank you so much.
for being on tonight. Do I have, do I have yeah. another minute, or are we out of time? Not a minute, but uh, about 10 seconds. Okay. Well, you can reach me at stanley.heller at peace.org and take a look at the website, norugers2israel.org.